There we go. Good to see you. All of the other holidays in between those two. Boxing Day. Right? Wasn't Boxing Day something like that? Um, I hope you had a great Christmas. Um, I know that we did um, with family and friends and just good food. And uh, it didn't snow. That was kind of a bummer. But our kids were severely disappointed. Um, but I just hope that yeah, you all had a great time and that you, some of you I know, get to have some time off now. Woohoo! Uh, some of you that don't, sorry. Um, but I hope that you feel re- rested and refreshed and just excited for what God's doing. And, and here's the deal. Um, I hope you got some good stuff. All right? Some good gifts, right? I love to get a good gift. I love to give a good gift. Um, for, for whatever reason this year... Um, we, my wife and I and our kids, we are living in an apartment um, in Issaquah, and so we are doing the apartment life, um, and we thought, like, you know what would be a good gift to get our son is a drum set, <laughs> you know, because what screams apartment living than a, a drum set, and so that's exciting. Um, <laughs> We're now moving out uh, by the 31st um, because, no, not because of the drum set. It's just we're moving. But, um, but yeah, we decided to do a drum set, so that's really exciting. And, and, and we are now just suffering through the beats and the sounds. And, uh, and uh, I went into the music store and I said, hey, do you guys have any quiet drumsticks? And the guy looked at me and just was like, you... You're, you want, you're crazy, is, is what he look, look, thought. So, um, but I, uh, I hope you just had a great time. I, I got some great things. Um, I got a cold, a stuffy nose, a, a headache. Um, and then, wait for it, I did get some extra strength Tylenol at the pharmacy. So I, I, I'm feeling good about those things. Um, so I, I apologize if I sound a little Kermit the Frogish this morning. Um, but I really feel all right. <laughs> um, yeah, and uh, it's just good to be in God's house. Amen. So this is the last church service of the year. Wow. Wow is right. Um, no, no one really applauded, so that's, that's probably a good thing. Uh, <laughs> no one booed either, so I, I, don't know, I don't know what that means. But, but it's the last church service of the year, and we are so excited um, to look back and, and to celebrate all that God's done in 2019. And uh, not only is this the last um, church service of the year, but can you believe we're ringing out a decade? I mean, time flies when you're having fun. I'm convinced time just flies even if you're miserable. Um, <laughs> <laughs> time just flies, and uh, you know, just thinking back, you know, is is not only are we closing out a year, but man, I'm I'm still I still thought you know that everything was going you know ending in 2000, um, and here we are 20 years later, and we're still here. So if you were one of those ones like, hey, we made it, um, it's 2020 almost, and, and we're still here, and I believe the reason uh, we're still here is because God still has plans and purposes for people that do not have a relationship with him. And there's still things that he has for us to do. And so until he comes back, right, we're going to be worshiping, we're going to be pressing in, and we're going to be seeking the purposes that he has. But I was thinking about uh, this last year, and man, and 10 years ago we had a 2-year-old, now we have a 12-year-old. 
right? And, 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 and we have not just a two-year-old, but we've got like four kids. And so we've, we've experienced a lot, probably bought a house in there, probably sold a house in there, probably moved about maybe 15 times since then, but that's a, that's a different story. Um, but it was a good year. It was a good decade, right? God did some amazing things in our church the last 10 years. Come on, think back and go down memory lane with me for a minute. Think back about the freedom that you've gained in your life the last 10 years. It's pretty cool. I think back of some marriages that have been restored in the last 10 years. Praise God. I think about some young people's hearts that have been transformed by the kingdom of God. I think of salvations that have happened in new life that has been birthed in people's hearts. I think about all the work that this church has done in the the nations of the world in this last 10 years. And I'll tell you right now, the nations are different because of this church. Amen? And because of the investment. You know, so I can go on and on and think about all the, all the times and all the things and, and, and all the good things. And, and, and all of them get me to a place of saying, God, I don't deserve this. We don't deserve this. God, you're good. I also think about uh, some of the events that happened in the last 10 years. And if you were to tell me, hey, this is going to be your next 10 years, I would have laughed at your face and I would say, it will never happen. The last 10 years, we've walked some pretty dark moments. We've lost some great men. We lost a great pastor, this church did, in the last 10 years. Hi, Marcy. There's been some hard things, right? Hard things. Personally, I know in your families, you've walked through some hard things. I know personally, our families... We've dodged some big bullets in the last 10 years. We had a miracle of a two-year-old that should be not seven today, but he should be dead. But God spared his life. I was reminded of a scripture in Psalms 1. I say it's one of my favorites. I probably say that every week. Sorry about that. I really mean it. But it says this, and I'm reading it out of the Amplified. It says, blessed. And blessed also means fortunate. It also means prosperous. It also means favored by God. So favored by God, blessed, fortunate, prosperous, is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. The Amplified says, meaning following their own advice and example. Listen, there is a world out there that has set a path, and they say, if you want to be successful, follow this path. But how many of you know that's not always the path that God has for you to follow? Okay, there is a man's way of doing things, and then there is a God's way of doing things. So blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of what the culture is doing, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit, okay, we get the point, stand, sit, whatever, okay, nor sit down to rest in the seat of scoffers. Okay, verse 2 says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. Okay, the law of the Lord is not do this, don't do this, stand, sit, blah, blah, blah. The, The law of the Lord is his precepts, his principles, and his teachings, 
Okay? It's the way of Christ. So blessed is the man who doesn't delight in what the world does, but his delight is in what he sees his father doing. He meditates on it day and night. Okay? So that is the first part of this verse. Okay? Find your delight in God. Don't do what the world's doing. Then. Say then. Then. Okay, uh, Amplified says, and then, <laughs> and then, so do those things, and then he will be like a tree, firmly planted and fed by streams of water, which yield fruit in its season, its leaf does not wither, and whatever he does, say whatever, whatever he does, he prospers. And the Amplified says, and comes into maturity. And I felt this morning, just a bonus before the word, like God said that even in the midst of the dark, of the hard, of the gut-wrenching things that you've experienced in this last decade, in this last year, in this last day, because I know some of you had a heck of a Christmas week. He wants you to bear fruit in every season. Okay, every season. Listen, negative circumstance in your life and negative circumstance in my life, or we would say storms, storms of life, or how about seasons, right? God is a God of seasons, Right? Where you go through different seasons, where it's a season of planting, it's a season of harvest, it's a season of, of reaping, right? Those are good seasons, right? We love the, the reaping seasons. But in negative circumstance, how about in opposition? Has anyone felt like you've had some opposition in this last 10 years? Okay, yeah, I have too. Can I tell you this morning that those seasons do not mean fruitlessness? Opposition does not mean fruitless. Storms do not mean fruitless. Because I believe this, and I believe one of the lies of the enemy is that you cannot grow in seasons of winter. Okay, the enemy would say, hey, you're in a hard season. You've got sin in your life. You've got mess going on. The enemy would say, well, you've got to wait till you get out of that season. And God says, I've called you to bear good fruit in all those seasons. Right? He's called you to bear fruit in all those seasons. So like a diamond, right? You may get your beauty, and it may be as a result of some pressing. And I want to encourage you, for some of you that are just like, thank God it's 2020, that decade is over, I want to encourage you to look back and look at the fruit that God has grown in your life. Because he has called us to bear fruit in every season. So we stand on the cusp of a new decade. Also, I'm pretty excited for 2020, right? That's pretty cool, right? Um, again, some of you might be shocked that we're here, and you're like, how in the world? I thought Jesus was returning. Well, he's going to. Um, we're, we're here. Um, and, I, and I love it because the represent, representation, and you're probably going to get a lot of this on podcasts and Christian preachers, of 2020 vision, right? 2020, the year of perfect vision, 
right? So I'm just going to wear it out right now before we're even at 2020, right? It's the perfect vision year, right? You're going to hear it. Great vision is not what we do. Vision is not being busy. Vision is not projects. Vision has everything to do, wait for it, with what you see. Has everything to do with what you see. And listen, what you see dictates where you go, right? So if you see in the natural a big tree over the road, you're probably not going to go, right? Because your vision dictates where you go. Another thing about vision, vision also determines how you get there. Right? Vision doesn't just determine where you go, but how many of you know there is multiple ways to get somewhere? Right? And your vision will help dictate which way that you go in your life. Okay, so vision has everything to do with what we see. And so again, it's, that's why it's so important that we are filling our minds with the word of God, not with what we see out in our world Because if the only thing we're filling and feeding our lives with is what we see with our own two eyes, then guess where we're going to go? We're going to go where the world goes. We're going to go with with what the world says. Okay? Spiritually speaking, when we only, if we want to get to a different place spiritually, how many of you want to get to a different place spiritually than you are right now? Right? I do. Right? And I'm not in a bad place. But I want to get to a different place spiritually because I believe God has more. Then I need to not focus on the things that are right in front of me. Because when I'm focused on just the things that are right in front of me, I'm not able to see the big picture of what God has. And here's what I know about, here it is again, perfect vision. Right? 2020 vision. Perfect vision only comes to your life by setting your eyes on the one who is perfect. Matthew 5.48 says this. It says, since you are, and again, this don't, don't get discouraged. It says, since you are children of a perfect father. That's good. I'm children of a perfect father. This next part's a little uh, overwhelming. You are to be perfect like him. Well, good luck. Have you seen my life? Have I, I seen your life? Right. Good luck. But it says, since you have a perfect father. But here's what the word perfect means in that scripture. It means this. It means whole. Listen, when we think perfect, we think mistake-free. We think flawless. No. It means whole. It means complete. It means fully mature, not lacking in everything. It means well-rounded. So since we have a father who is complete, who has already died on the cross, rose again, gave us every victory that we should have, guess what? You shall be complete if our eyes are focused upon him. You know, sometimes I, 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 in my prayer life with the Lord, I say, God, I just want to see what you see. I want to show, give me eyes to see what the spirit world is saying, right? I don't, I don't want to be um, motivated by what I see with my natural eyes. And a lot of times, what I see in the natural is my biggest hindrance 
to allowing me to see what God sees in the spirit. Think about it. Think about religion. Again, I love religion. I'm a pastor. Hello. (laughs) But the religions of this world have spent lifetimes teaching people how to get close to God, how to please him, the right way to approach him, the right things to do, the right things to say. The last a month or so, two weeks, I, I've been able to speak with a, a lady at a, a place I study in Issaquah, and she is a Muslim. And we have conversations, and, she, and she, I said, you know, how do you know? She says, because of what I do. Right, So religion, and not just the Muslim religion, the Christian religion, has said, well, if we do this, then that. If we, if, you know, if we do everything right, then God will respond. But listen, Romans 14 says this. It says, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Listen, when you live your life in the Holy Spirit, that speaks of relationship, that speaks of conversation, that speaks of listening to him. When you live your life in the Holy Spirit, you will live a a fulfilled Christian life of righteousness, peace, and joy. Listen, God is not attracted by the smell of what you eat. Can I just tell you that? Right? I love the smell of prime rib. Listen, God doesn't smell prime rib and go, oh, Justin's eating prime rib again. I'm going to show up. No, he could care less. He probably likes when I eat prime rib, but he could care less what I eat. It's not what we do or don't do that attracts God. Please hear me. It's not the act that moves the heart of God, but it is a spirit of faith. All through Scripture, we see this theme. When God shows up, it's because there was an atmosphere of anticipation and an atmosphere of expectancy. Think about it. Think about the times that Jesus healed. Think about the times that Jesus did miracles. In your heads, think of it. It was because there was an atmosphere of expectancy. Hebrews 11.6 says it this way. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever comes to hear God must believe that God exists. So we got to believe. And number two, that he rewards those who earnestly and diligently seek him. Listen, there is a reward that God has for his people as we seek him with expectation, diligently, and earnestly. Listen, there is promises of God that are tied to those who do what God has prescribed you to do. I despise strongly going to the doctor. I do. Sorry. I do, and I know many of you men do as well, and I, I, I despise it. The doctor says, hey, I, I'm sick. The doctor says, well, if you do this, you will get better. Here's the problem. I don't like taking medicine. Here's the problem. 
I don't like going to the doctor again. So I don't. Here's the problem. I probably don't get better. <laughs> Hello. Listen, many people spiritually want the results of health, but they do not want the lifestyle of spiritual health that it takes to get there. Listen, I want the results that the doctor says. There's just one problem. <laughs> Listen, you can read in your Bible. Unfortunately, and I, hope to, I hate to burst your bubble this morning, but there is not a lot of promises of God that are attached to the passive, to the apathetic, to the lazy, to the ones that just want to sit there and wait for God to just do it. For the one that says, I'm just going to show up, do my 20 minutes at church, or an hour and a half, and if it's an hour and 31 minutes, we're in trouble. There is not a lot of promises that God has for those types of people. And I'm included in that at times in my own life. You know, the Bible says in Ecclesiastes, he says that time and chance happen to all of us. Okay, time and chance. And I think we play this kind of Christianity with Jesus a lot. You know, time and chance happens. But listen, I do not base my financial stability on the fact that I might win the lotto someday. Because here's the problem. I don't play the lotto. So it would be foolish of me to say, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to retire on lotto. Well, guess what? Time and chance isn't going to happen, most likely. It might but I'd find another way. But I think we do that with the Lord. Right? What's that, what's that saying? Even a blind squirrel can find a nut? Right? Even a blind squirrel is going to get lucky every once in a while. But that is not how a relationship with God is supposed to exist. Right? There is a prescription that he says, if you do this, you will find me. If you seek me, you will find me. Okay? God's promises are tried, tied to his truth, and there is a prescription that he's already said in his word of how we will see him. In Luke chapter 11, the disciples are saying, Jesus, how do I pray? And Jesus, he tells stories a lot. He's probably the best storyteller. They say, how do I pray? And Jesus says to them this. In Luke 11, starting with verse 5, he says, he starts telling them a story, and they're probably thinking, like, what does this have to do with the question? He says, suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, give me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine is on a journey, has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers and says, don't bother me. The door's locked. My children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I mean, can you imagine how mad I'll just tell you right now, I will be so mad at you if you come knocking at my door at midnight and say, I need some salt. I'll be like, go to QFC, it's open 24 hours. It goes on. He says, don't bother me, the door's locked, everyone's in bed, I can't get up, and I'm not getting you anything. Jesus says, I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship. You know what that's saying? He's pretty much saying, I don't care if you're my best friend. I'm not getting up. Like, you're going to have to find a new best friend if that's the case. Because I'm not doing it. Right? Even because of our friendship, I'm not getting up. But yet, because of your 
shameless persistence or shameless audacity, he will surely give you as much as you need. So I say to you, ask and it will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. For everyone who asks, receive. And the one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. That is how we are to approach God. Little disclaimer about shameless persistence. We do not have to be shameless in our persistence. It's not required because God is trying to withhold something from you. It is not because God is saying, well, you need to pray louder. You need to jump higher. You need to do it the right way. No, that is not why shameless persistence is required. That is not the relational God that I serve. Okay, shameless persistence, okay, that is called performance, and that is a sin. Okay, good gifts come from above. That's what the Bible says. God has already sent his son Jesus. He has already paved the way. He has already said everything you need for life and godliness is yours. It's already yours. And here's the deal. He wants to bless his kids with abundance. Amen? He wants to bless me with abundance. The spiritual reality is this. We live in a broken planet. And there is opposition to the things of God. The climate of our culture, the current of this planet is opposing everything that the kingdom of God has to offer. And so there is why we have to persevere We have to be persistent because there are things that are working against the kingdom of God. People, sin, circumstance, everything is trying to get in the way. And so we have to persevere. We have to go past that mess to get to hear the Spirit. Amen? So, I'm going to skip around a little bit. I feel like the last three or four years, God has told me to start off the year with a fast. Woohoo! Come on, you think we sent Alicia first on purpose? Right? She's just kind of the, I'm like the closing sales guy, right? She just primes the pump, makes you laugh. Here I come, make you laugh for more. Next thing you know, you're going to be fasting and praying fools. So, um, but I feel like God said, I want you to set aside the first and the best of the year to intentionally seek me. Why? Because God responds to those who diligently seek him. So, and he has said, I want you to call the body to a fast so we can in unity center our focus Passion, passion and emphasis on deliberately fasting. I said deliberately, not forgetting to eat. Hello. Deliberately fasting, praying, and seeking him in an intense pursuit. So some of you are thinking, man, that doesn't grow a church. You know, I've never heard something on fasting. I just want to talk fasting really quick this morning. 
Some people say, well, some of you might be new to the Lord, or some of you have never fasted. You may say, well, what is fasting? So I'm just going to go through a few things. Um, Biblically speaking, the word fasting means this. It means to abstain from eating, to go without food, to close the mouth, and abstain from food. Anyone see a theme? We're not talking about talking to your wife, okay, closing my mouth. No, we're talking about filling our bellies. Okay, it's important to get this. I have in my life, there's been times where God has said, I want you to abstain from entertainment, where he said, you know what, you need to stop getting on Facebook for a while because your mind is inundated with the Facebook storylines, okay? Not a bad thing, but for me, God said, I just want you to take some season, get away from it. And that's great, probably do it again because I think it's really good. Listen, that is good, okay? Anytime you want to get away from social entertainment, I think that's a good thing, okay? But biblically speaking, that's not fasting, okay? That is good, you can do it, but biblically speaking, fasting is abstaining from food, Okay, again, I said this before, unless you're eating cell phones and TVs, <laughs> right, it, it is a good principle, but it is something different. So when we fast, we refuse to give our body a main source of substance, but we choose to instead feed our spirit man and great things will happen. So that is a fast. Well, so you fast food. When do I fast? Two things. Number one, there is a general discipline of fasting that's laid out in the Bible. Okay? It's kind of like, well, when should I pray? Just pray. Pray at all times, the Bible says. Uh, When should I give? Should I only give on Sundays? Well, no, just give. Give generously. Give with a cheerful heart. So when should I fast? As a follower of God, you do not have to wait for an audible, angelic visitation to start a fast. Because God has already said, As a son or a daughter of God, you should fast. So anytime you want to fast is a good time to fast. There are specific times, and I remember specific times in my life where God said, I want you to fast specifically for this reason. Before I got married, when I was engaged to my beautiful wife, I remember fasting for three days, and I had a couple friends and spiritual mentors in my life that we fasted together because I wanted to make sure that I was hearing from God before I fasted, or before I, 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 uh, I fasted, before I, I married my wife. Because I wanted to make sure I was hearing clearly from God. Okay, so there's specific times we may be prompted to fast. Okay, but the key to fasting is anything that's done in faith is going to move the heart of God. So when do I fast? Whenever you want to have faith to fast. Okay, because everything is done in, in faith. So when do I fast? There you go. So there's the, the general discipline, but number two, there are times corporately where God has called his people to fast, and I feel like we are in a time as a body that God is saying, hey, it is time to fast, where we as leaders are feeling a sense of direction to lead the body for an intense time of spiritual pursuit. I believe that we are in the middle of a new season. I believe that God is doing things in our midst that we have prayed for, that we are believed for, but here's the deal. I want to see them come to pass. 
There is breakthroughs that God has promised that we haven't fully seen yet. And I want to make sure that we are hearing directly from him. And so God says, will you call the people to give me the first and the best of the year? Listen, I believe that there is breakthrough in your life, that there is salvations in your family members, that there is growth that God wants to do in your life this year, and there is sustained moves of his presence, and a lot of those things are connected to your pursuit and your prayer life. Listen, this is not works-based. We already covered that, having to do more, but it's applying the principles and the prescription that God has already laid out. Hey, worship team, we're not going to have you come today. Sorry, give you the note. So there's a times of fasting, corporate times. I want to talk about disclaimers, okay, because I'm calling, we're, our leadership is calling us to a fast. Here's some disclaimers. Number one, no one is asking you to fast for the entire 21 days. Okay? Not asking it. If God asks it, you got to work that out with him. But what I am asking is that you would spend time today, that you would spend time in the next week, because we're starting January 5th, spend time in prayer asking God for a clear impression of how you will participate in the fast. Not asking you to fast for 21 days. I'm probably not fasting for 21 days. I'm going to do different things. Um, length, time, whether you do a meal a day, an all-juice fast, a water-only fast, a Daniel fast, which is uh, fruits and vegetables only, all of those details, I'm trusting that you will find out what that means for you. If you plan on doing something more, make sure you're physically healthy enough to do it. Right? Come on. I know some people that's kind of, kind of like running a marathon. Man, I've never ran a marathon in my life. It would be foolish for me to show up tomorrow, run a marathon, and expect to, like, survive. <laughs> we did a triathlon once, and we, this guy that was swimming, he literally lasted, like, 20 feet. And it's like, dude, did he train at all? No, he just signed up this morning. It's like, no. But so if you are planning on, like, I feel like God's want me just to do water for 21 days. It's like, talk to a doctor. Talk to someone that knows. Make sure your body's physically healthy, right? I don't want to visit you in the hospital, anything like that. Okay, number two, disclaimer. There is no pressure from anyone here to fast. If you don't feel like it, it's okay. As long as it's okay with God. You got to work that one out. Okay, we never want to fast to try to impress others. That's what the Pharisees did, and that's where Jesus said, don't do it like them. Number three, disclaimer, we are in need of God's grace and we are in need of God's favor. Individually, as families, as our church, our nation, we are in need of God's grace and favor. The reason for the fast is clear. Desperation for God and recognition that we cannot accomplish his will on our own. That is the reason. Throughout Scripture, I'll, I'll go to warnings first. Warnings. Warning. Fasting is not a way to twist God's arm. Okay, that's not how it works. It's not like you, okay, I tap out, I'll do what you're asking. No, it's not how God works. Okay, that's not it. Okay, it's not talking God out of something that's not in his will to do. 
Okay? Don't, sell your, don't set yourself up with unrealistic expectations, right, that God is going to do something specific for you and then you're disappointed when he doesn't. Don't do that because the purpose of fasting, remember, the reason that we do it, because it is positioning ourselves, our heart and our spirit to know God's will, to hear his voice. It's not about me convincing God to do something that he doesn't want to do. It's about me positioning my heart. I'm, cru- I'm cruising right along here. Fasting does not make you more spiritual. It makes you hungry. It does not make you more spiritual. The Pharisees, again, thought that it did, but they were missing their heart. Okay, self-discipline does not make you more spiritual because productive New Testament fasting is by grace, by faith, and by obedience. So when you fast, I'm going to tell you right now, prepare for opposition. Prepare to be hungry. Prepare to say, man, that Cinnabon has never smelt better. Right? Prepare to be tempted by your flesh. Prepare to be tempted by sin. Prepare to have demonic opposition. Why? Because it is a weapon that will release the promises and the power of God, and the enemy does not want God's people walking in that level of power. So prepare for opposition. Prepare to fight. Suggestions. Okay, I said a little bit. Do a juice fast. Do a three-day fast. Some of you might do a water-only fast. We already talked about that. Right? A Daniel-type fast, which is fruits and vegetables. Okay, some guidelines. Okay, we're getting practical in church. Guidelines this morning. If you are medically not able, that's okay. Don't hurt yourself. But begin this fast with an attitude of personal purity and personal humility. Because it's supposed to to clear you of any of those things that keep you from God. Guidelines and pray. Listen, fasting without praying is the Hebrew word. It's not the Hebrew. It's starving. Okay, we're not starving. We're, We're setting aside food to feed our physical bodies to focus on feeding our flesh. So you gotta put times in your life to pray. So schedule your times of fasting with those who will be affected. If you've got an anniversary dinner already planned for your wife, I don't want to do marriage counseling. I'm not, I don't know if I'm that good at that. So just, uh, just you know, plan those who will be affected. Talk to your family about how it's going to work for your family, please. Okay, do this. Expect to hear God's voice. Expect that as you focus on him, you're going to hear clear direction from him. Start slow. And again, if you fail, if you drive by the golden arches and that Big Mac is just screaming your name, finish your Big Mac and then try again tomorrow. (laughs) Right? Funny story. Last year, first day of the fast. Get up. Halfway, gonna do, do, gonna do water only. Halfway through my first cup of coffee. Oh, darn it! 
Guess I'll start tomorrow. Better finish this cup. Why? Because I probably walk from my bed to the coffee pot half asleep, right? And it's just, just habit, right? So if you fail, get up and try again. So details about our fast. January 5th through the 25th. We're going to talk a little bit about it next week. Listen, it's not just about you doing it by yourself, but we are calling the church to a time of intense pursuit. And so because of that, we're going to have Thursday prayer and worship nights. Alicia told you the dates, the uh, 9th, 16th, and the 23rd. Here's the deal. Attend as many as you can. Attend as many as possible for your schedule because we want to seek God together. So come, because we're believing God's going to do great things. Okay, another thing we're doing. Last year, we heard some, some constructive criticism, not complaining. And they said, it was good, but I kind of didn't know what to do with myself for those 21 days. Because we didn't tell you to pray for it, so we thought we're going to do something a little different this year. And I want to encourage you. This is a book Alicia talked about. It's called Pursuit. And it's written by my friend, uh, Dave Patterson, who's got a big church in Vacaville, California. And uh, he wrote this book, and we, we bought uh, some of them. Um, and this is 21 Days, a devotional. Can you imagine for 21 days if the people of Generational Hope are all praying the same scriptures? believing for the same things, centering our energy and our focus and our attention on the same prayer directive that God has called us to, to center around. Could you imagine what can happen when we are in agreement together reading the same thing? And plus, it's going to give you a sense of purpose to your fasting. It's going to give you something to do. Listen, God doesn't always work in the, what should I read today, God? Boom. Every once in a while, that strategy may work, okay? But I encourage you, you can go to the back after the service. It's $10. Read the book. Be encouraged. I've been through it two and a half times already, and I'm telling you right now, you will grow as you apply the word of God to your life. Amen? Amen. Would you stand up with me? Because it's getting hot in here. So, there's some action steps this morning. There's some practical application this morning. I want you to encourage you to seek how God would have you respond. So, bow your heads, close your eyes with me. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for what you are doing in our midst. Father, I thank you for an amazing decade, for an amazing year. Father, I thank you that in the midst of the good, of the hard, of the dark times, that you have called us to bear fruit in every season. And Father, I thank you for the prescription that you have said, people of God, if you search for me, if you seek me, you will find me. Father, we want to be a church. We want to be people that are found seeking you knocking on your doors, um, searching for you. Father, help every single one of us in that process. Father, I thank you that you've said, I want you to give me your first and your best. 
Father, I ask this week, as people go home, as people celebrate New Year's, as as we, as families, say, how do we apply this to our lives? Father, I ask for specific strategy. I ask for specific ideas. Father, I thank you, and I ask for your grace to be all over this fast. Father, as people are in their minds saying, there's no way I can do it, Father, I ask that there would be a spirit of faith that arises within their hearts. Father, that you would give us a specific strategy. Father, we know that there are unanswered promises in this house that we have not seen yet. Father, I know that there are family members that people have prayed for for years and years, and we have not seen the fruit. And Father, we believe that in this season that we are going to hear your voice, that there is going to be breakthrough in areas of people's lives and people's finances, that there's going to be breakthrough in marriage. Father, that there is going to be breakthrough in salvation. Father, I even uh, just continue to hear that you want to raise the spiritual water table in our midst. Father, that when you, when that it would be so, we would be so saturated in your presence that when you reign, there's no place for the water, the spiritual water to go except for overflow out of us. Father, I just pray for a raising of the spiritual water table in this area and the families of generational hope. Father, we declare that with you, we can do all things, and apart from you, we can't do anything. So, Father, give us your grace. Father, we want to be ones who diligently seek you. Father, we are expectant for what you want to do. In Jesus' name, amen.